I was also for my business looking for something that had a, a more recurring revenue style to it. And so a membership kind of fit what the business needed in terms of our cash flow and then what our customers were asking for in terms of the support they needed. There are an infinite number of ways you can take a business model and make it your own. That's my favorite part of having a business. No two businesses are ever the same. I'm Susan Bowles, and you're listening to Break the Ceiling, the show where we break down unconventional strategies you can use to save time, boost your profit, and increase your operational capacity. Now, one of the reasons I love doing this show is that I get to talk to business owners who are, at least theoretically, all doing the same thing. All my guests are business owners, and almost all of them run a service business. But everybody's doing it in their own unique way. One of my goals with Break the Ceiling is to expose you to new ideas, new business models, new ways of operating, so that you could take these ideas, evaluate them, and decide if they're right for your business, and then go implement them. But the beauty of business is that even if you hear an idea for a new revenue stream or a new way of operating, and you decide to implement the same thing, it'll always look different when you apply it to your own business, because you could take the concept and turn it into your own special sauce. We've been talking in the last few episodes about using new revenue streams to create resilience and minimize risk in your business. And specifically, in the last two episodes, we've done a deep dive on membership and community models. I talked to Sophie Bujo about where a community should live in your business and whether or not you should have one in the first place. And in the last episode, I talked to Margie Thomas about how her community was an evolution of the work she'd already been doing with clients. Today's guest, Katie Hunt, also created a community in her business, Proof to Product, but it looks very different from Margie's community. Where Margie took her community and turned it into the primary focus of her business, for Katie, her community was one of a whole suite of services. Katie created Proof to Product, where she helps product-based businesses create product lines, sell wholesale, and build stronger businesses. She has a podcast, courses, mastermind, coaching, conferences, and yes, a community. Where Margie is consciously a one-person business, Katie has a whole team of folks who support her. They both took the same idea, building a community around your business, and turned it into two very different looking businesses. Katie and I talk about the evaluation process she went through, why adding a community was the right choice for her business, and what kind of an impact it's had on her profitability, her resiliency, and her team. Hey, Katie, thanks so much for being here today. Hi, Susan. Thank you so much for having me. So tell me a little bit about what was going on in your business before you decided to add this new uh, membership community option. Yeah, so I was feeling this push-pull of we are missing a step in our value ladder. We had a, um, so just a little bit of background about my business. We have a signature course. We have an in-person conference. I have a high-end mastermind. We have a ton of free content that we produce through our podcast and our blog and our social media feed and everything like that. But I didn't have a lower priced offer really that people could, you know, take us for a test drive before they wanted to buy into something that was higher level. And we had tried, I've been in business for nine years, so we had tried, you know, 
different low priced offers, but they always got pushed aside um, because we were marketing other things that were, you know, higher value to the business. And so I was struggling with this. How do we create an affordable and accessible avenue for people that need our professional development help, but maybe can't come to California for a conference or they can't afford to take one of our higher level programs. And so I had been kind of grappling with this for honestly, probably a year or two, maybe even more at the, you know, but we were working on other things, rebranding my business and a bunch of other things. So um, in the last, I would say it was in the fall of 2019 that I started to look at it in real earnest and say, okay, I think a membership would be a really great way to you know, fill this void and help more people at a lower price point. And so that was kind of when the wheels got turning on that. And so why, why membership kind of specifically, why was that the right choice for your business right at that point in time? Yeah, I did grapple with the format, like what's going to serve everyone best. I did a survey of our audience and I asked them, you know, what do you want from us what would help you the most what kind of format what kind of education tools and uh, the response was pretty overwhelmingly more trainings more like office hour type sessions more like time with you you know it was very much about high touch that they wanted and Mm -hmm. so the only way I felt I could bring that to them in a methodical way where I also wasn't stretching myself too thin or, or flexing my boundaries too much <laughs> seemed to be a membership. And I will also say too, um, with my conference and my course and all those things, we would see spikes in revenue throughout the year based on those because they were launch model, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so I was also for my business looking for something that had a, a more recurring revenue style to it. And so a membership kind of fit what the business needed in terms of our uh, cash flow and then what our customers were asking for in terms of the support they needed. So it ended up kind of just being the right choice at the right time for exactly. everybody. Yeah, exactly. So talk to me a little bit about how you kind of developed the actual product itself? You know, what what was the decision process or evaluation process you used to get there? And then, you know, how, how did you actually develop what was going to be in it? Yeah, sure. So I will tell you, I, at the beginning, I wanted to throw everything and the kitchen sink in this membership. I wanted to just give, give, give. And I realized very quickly that that was going to be cumbersome for my team and I to replicate every month, and it was going to overwhelm people. And so I really went back to that survey to see what are they asking for and what do they need in terms of, so it was a couple things, right? We were looking at format of what kind of content were we going to be giving them every month and what did that look like and what frequency. And then we were also looking at what topics do they need the most help with? Because my membership is not, um, it's a little bit different. My course is very specific as to what we teach and the big promise we have. The membership, I want it to be more of a community where it's kind of free-flowing, where we're talking about general business operations and kind of addressing the things that are most important to people at that time. So we do have a theme for each month, and then each month we have a masterclass where either myself or guest experts come and teach a class uh, with very specific takeaways for everybody based upon their level of business. And then we also have an office hour session where I get on Zoom and for an hour, we're, I'm answering questions from everybody. And it doesn't have to be tied to our monthly topic per se, but really just whatever they're struggling with right then in their business, we will give them answers. So in terms of my decision-making process, it was a culmination of what does my business need in terms of what kind of format and process can we put into play here so that it's um, 
an easy system for us to replicate every month. And then for my customers, it was listening to what their needs are, what their struggles are, what their pain points are. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of how we approached the format. It was kind of twofold of what will work for me? What can I, what do I have the bandwidth to do? And then what's going to serve them best? Okay. So once, once you made the decision, you decided yeah. it was going to be a membership, you kind of figured out what was going to be in it. How did you actually go about implementing it from, you know, the, yeah. you had this idea, you're going to do it. How did you actually <laughs> launch it and make it happen? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so membership model was new to us. So I had to do a lot of homework. I had to kind of research, okay, do I want this on Facebook, which I did not do I want this? <laughs> you know, what kind of tech pieces are we going to use here? So we knew what kind of educational pieces we wanted at that point. Uh, the next piece was tech and delivery and customer experience. How do we want to be delivering this stuff to everybody? And so we did to we did some research. I'm in a handful of communities, my team's in a handful of communities. So we just kind of looked around at what we liked or what felt really seamless and, and a good experience from the customer side. And then we chose a platform. So we chose Mighty Networks for our platform. And um, and then we got to like building out the processes and systems, which may sound a little bit backwards. Like most people want to build out the content, I think, in a membership first. I love systems. Build the systems. Right? Build the system (laughs) and the rest will flow. But um, so, yeah, so we basically took a look at, okay, what needs to happen on a monthly basis, on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, even a quarterly basis for this to be systematic for our team. And I don't mean to make that sound cold, but like systems save your stress, you know? And Mm -hmm. so anyhow, we, uh, we built those systems. And so it was really figuring out the tech. We wrote a lot of like, we had to figure out the tech in terms of which systems we were using, but then also with emails, you know, we have onboarding sequences that we send people. We had sales sequence we were building out. We had pre-launch sequences we were building out. So there was like a lot of, there were a lot of pieces to this whole project. And, um, I did end up bringing in my, um, a previous staff member of mine to be the project manager for this whole launch because when we were like working on everything on the back end we were also running a lot of other programs that were you know in the works already before we decided to move forward with this so that was a huge help in that we had this one person dedicated to making sure the project stayed on track and she had you know she had the support she needed from all of us so and did you work with her did you bring her on like as a team member or you worked with her more as like a consultant type project manager for this specific project good question how did you approach that good question it was more like a she was a contractor so it was more of a consultant project based um and we had her for about four or five months i think and we did end up extending the contract a bit at first we thought it would be three months as we were ramping things up and launching but we've needed her help with onboarding a new community manager that we needed to hire and also just you know as you start to move through a membership there's little kinks that come any program really there's some kinks that come up so she's been helping us figure those out too Okay. And then so on an ongoing basis, what does kind of the the day to day look like for your team in terms of managing the community? We use a couple different tools to manage our day to day. We use Asana for all of our project management and and the individual tasks that need to get accomplished. Um, We also meet once a week to talk through all the tasks that need to be accomplished that week. But really, we're working one to two months ahead in this membership. So we're kind of managing both delivery of it as well as the creation of it for the next month. So really bringing on 
or creating this other revenue stream for your business is essentially like a whole other style of business. <laughs> yes. So what kinds of changes have you seen kind of behind the scene of now having this community? Did you end up having to change your team or expand it? Or are you doing, you know, the s more work with the same amount of people? What does that look like for you behind the scenes? That's a great question. I think I went into it a little naive, actually. I, I um, We've been using the same team. We did add a community manager to the team, but I think I underestimated how much of our hours from our existing team were going to need to be shifted towards this new project of Proof to Product mm. Labs, our program. And so, for example, our graphic designer, she's now doing monthly workbooks that go out for labs. And... And so that takes up more of her time that she – so we've had to expand contracts for some of our, our people that are on contract basis and just work within their schedule because um, there were some things that took longer than we expected and – or more time than we expected. So we have had to make some shifts. We've only brought on one new team member, and, um, and that's worked out really great. Oh, cool. So what, what kinds of – um, positive changes have you seen from now adding this other revenue stream to your business? Did it work out like you thought it was going to? Um, <laughs> yes, you know, what, what have you seen positively? Yeah, so there's a few things. I, I will say we, the launch exceeded our expectations by far. And we launched, the, I should preface this by saying we launched this program in the middle of the pandemic at the beginning of COVID. Well, not the beginning. We launched this at the end of April into early May. And so we had to do a lot of shifting before the launch to change our messaging. And we actually changed our pricing. We lowered it a bit. We even changed our um, bonus structure to give them different types of bonuses that were applicable for how they were getting through COVID. And um, I wasn't sure how it was going to go. We did have a conversation about whether or not to postpone the launch. But really, the more I thought about it, I kept thinking – people need this right now. They need they need the support. They need the community. They need the help. They're not sure how to navigate what's going on in the world. And frankly, like most of us don't, you know, we're kind of mm -hmm. trial and erroring this. So in my own mindset, in my own business, I thought we're going to keep moving forward with this. We've been planning for it for a long time. And I know it's going to serve and help so many people. And so we continue with the launch. Well, in my business, it has made a huge shift in that we, um, it, it was a six-figure launch in the middle of a pandemic on a $49 product. So it, it, it created a lot of change in my business in that we had a strong recurring revenue stream that we were hoping to have, but we weren't sure if we were going to have because of the launch timing. And then, two, the engagement with our community. I feel like we've built such strong relationships with everyone that's in this membership and now they're asking about our other programs. So I really do see this program benefiting the business financially as well as taking our customers through a journey of our different products and services and how we can con continue to help them as they expand and grow their business. So um, from a personal standpoint, it's been very worthwhile, uh, both financially as well as the impact we're making. But then um, from a customer experience, we're also we're we're being able to shepherd them along as they grow their business, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. um, it, I've seen a lot of great, and too, I'm loving it. I am loving the being in this community with them. It's different than our other communities that we've had on Facebook. 
I love doing the office hours and just seeing everybody and hearing their questions. The master classes have been really well received. So it's I, I'm enjoying it and it's benefiting the business and the health of the business overall. Awesome. Yeah. Now what? That's the question I hear from a lot of service-based business owners. Maybe you've been asking yourself, now what too? You've built your business from the ground up and your business works, but maybe it's not growing. You keep bumping into a ceiling on how many clients you can take on and maybe how much money you can make. And maybe now you're even wondering if your business has staying power. You might be keenly aware of how small challenges could easily balloon into big problems as the market and the economy change. I help entrepreneurs decide how to take action so they can build more resilient business that's primed for growth. I combine strategic thinking with a background in business finance, data, and operations to see the patterns that have your business bumping against a growth ceiling. I'll show you exactly what you can do to break through and make more money all while making sure the foundation under your business is strong. I have a few new client openings for my quarterly or monthly advisory packages. When you work with me, I'll examine your financial reports to spot opportunities. We'll talk about where you're feeling friction and discover ways you can reclaim your time and attention. We'll dig into how to scale your operations without sacrificing quality so you can increase your capacity and make more money. And each action you take will be informed by strategic financial insight and data-driven operational planning. The result? You'll feel wildly capable and in control, and you'll finally break through that ceiling. Ready to learn more about working with me as your business advisor? Go to scalespark.co slash advisor. So talk to me, you mentioned the masterclasses again. Talk to yeah. me a little bit about the masterclasses and how how did you, uh, you came up with that as your main kind of content creation yeah. inside of the community? Are you doing different topics every month? Are you revisiting topics? Are you archiving them so people can go back? How, yeah. how are you approaching kind of the content creation, which is... Uh, I think the part that most people, when they think about creating a community, get really overwhelmed with, you know, you have to consistently be creating new content for people to absorb yeah. and consume and that sort of I thing. I would say this was my biggest fear around creating a membership and why I didn't do it sooner. Yet I have a weekly podcast and we do all sorts of other <laughs> content creation, but yet this was one of my biggest fears. So I, you know, here we are. Um, so a couple of things around this. We do a monthly topic that is a little bit broader based. So for example, in May, and, and I will say too, we just launched this in May. So we're only three months in at this point or two months in at this point. Um, so th we may change this method based upon what our customers are feeling and what we're feeling. So, uh, but as of now, we launched in May and we did a whole business assessment. We help people like push pause and really take a look at what was working in their business and what wasn't working. And that was a class that I taught. So we had, you know, slides and we had a workbook and we had, you know, it was a really robust training program. And then we had offshoots of that topic 
that we dripped out throughout the course of the month. And so other other resources, other tools, podcast episodes they should listen to, that kind of stuff. And then we have the office hour call. In June, we're talking about business models and how I work with product-based business owners, so how they can make money through their art and selling their products. And so we kind of ran through like, here's all the different ways that you can make money selling your work. And then we had one guest come on, her name was Kristen Lay from Thimble Press, and she talked specifically about licensing art because that's an area where a lot of my community is interested in learning more. And so I, I think the 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 themes and the topics, you want to have a structure to how you're running your months, but at the same time, you want to be fluid with some of it to make sure that you're meeting the needs of your people. So Kristen did that in June. And then in July, we're talking about copywriting. And I have somebody coming in to talk about writing strong product descriptions. And my copywriter wrote some abandoned cart emails for their e-commerce shop that they can use. So again, it, it the topic might be broader like copywriting, but then we're going to hone in on key areas that they need. So that's how we've structured it. Um, over the course of a month, we have at least two in live things that we do. And then we have additional podcast episodes or trainings on video, like on-demand type stuff that we drip out through the rest of the weeks. And how have you, um, how have you kind of integrated, or maybe you haven't, the themes that you're tackling in the community with the rest of the service offerings or content that you're putting out? Are you matching it up with your podcast or it's just kind of lives in the community and it's community specific? That's a great question. This is something that is still evolving for us, but we are trying to make sure that, you know, guests we have coming to teach master classes, if we can get them on the podcast and have them on the show maybe a month or a few weeks before that month's content comes up in the membership, then um, we are trying to find ways to tease what's coming up in the membership through our marketing. Mm. And I will say we're doing an okay job of that, but we could be doing a stronger job of that. Um, I think we need to do a better job of repurposing different pieces of content that point to the membership specifically. But um, but yeah, so we will have ads on our podcast, for example, that push people to labs or tell them what's upcoming for Proof to Product Labs. And then we will use our weekly email to talk about what's upcoming or to highlight different community members and what they're doing. So we are trying to make it interwoven into our marketing plan and our general communication. But at the same time, I think I think we still have some work to do there to strengthen <laughs> it's it. Still, it's still early days. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so you mentioned um, kind of being afraid of launching this community. Yeah. Um, and that that kind of held you back a little bit from this. Can you talk more about that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was the content grind that made me most nervous for this because I kept thinking, uh, you know, in my personal life, I have four children at home that are under 10 years old that are 10 and under Ooh. at this point. I, <laughs> yeah, I know. And like, I run a conference twice a year, although this year we're not doing it twice, you know, and there, I just already had multiple layers of my business. And my thought behind it was, if I add this new piece with all this content creation, something's gonna have to give, right? Like there's only so mm -hmm. much time in the day. And so that was a hurdle for me of, okay, well, what would I give up? Because there was nothing that really truly made sense. However, I what I realized was, if I could just strengthen the systems and the processes around all the different things in my business, that would carve out enough time for me to focus on this membership. And if we were leveraging the different 
content that we had, like our podcast or our blogs or our emails, and really using, I mean, using the content we've spent nine years building and working that in so that it was fresh and new for this audience, that made me feel like it was doable too. And to lowering my expectations around, okay, I'm going to do one masterclass a month and I'm going to do one group coaching call a month. And the rest is like extra fun. But if we don't end up doing a lot of extra fun that month, that's okay too, because we're delivering on what we promised and it's those two things. And so I kind of I reset my expectations. I also just acknowledged like I can get these two things done. And that made me feel like it was more manageable. Yeah, I love that you ended up leaning on systems and and really leaning into that because yeah. I think that can be so powerful in terms of being able to scale your business if you can kind of productize parts of it yeah. and then just lean on iterating on that one thing. <laughs> And I will um, say it's too, so hard to actually do in practice, though, I think it, it is. And I was going to circle back to your question about team, because this is where I firmly believe in bringing in people for the team, whether it's project basis or an ongoing basis, who are experts in what they do. And so me bringing back Angelica, our previous operations manager, who I knew was strong in systems and processes and giving her like. I don't want to say free reign, but kind of free reign to build the system. Um, I knew it would get done well, and I knew we would then have the foundation to work off of to make changes as we needed. So really getting out of the way when other people can do, do the job better than I could was a thing I also learned with this. Mm, and that's I think that's something that a lot of founders struggle with is, you know, especially if we've built this thing from the ground up. Yeah. And a lot of it was on our own, you know, ingenuity and creativity, especially at the beginning. It can be really hard to transition from that to, well, somebody else actually is going to be better at this. And as yeah. long as I get out of their way and let them do the thing that they are absolutely amazing at doing it, it's it can be really powerful in terms of being able to scale what you're doing and build better systems. I agree with you 100% on that. Um, so is there anything that we haven't talked about with this whole process and what it looked like for you that we haven't talked about that you think we should? Well, some people have asked about our marketing strategy around it or our launch strategy around it. I don't know if your audience would have an interest in that, but um, I will say because of the timing of when we launched this, we really did have to shift our messaging, which I mentioned earlier. But I think I, I think one of the key things I just want to reiterate is Anytime you're adding a new offer to your existing business model, you really want to make sure you're listening to your customers and asking them questions about what they need and want and then trying to implement that. I think one of the things I've experienced in the past and something I see some of my clients do is they get really excited about something that they want to roll out. But they don't ask anyone if it's something that they want. <laughs> they build the thing. They sell the thing. And then it's crickets. And yeah. And it's because they didn't really check in with people before they built it. So I guess just one, listening to your audience and then being very strategic about how you roll it out and how you communicate the value, especially right now as we're navigating COVID still. Um, I think those are a couple of things that your audience might benefit from hearing. Yeah, I love that. One other question. Yeah. So you have four kids at home. I do. <laughs> you have I apologize a business <laughs> with a whole bunch of different areas that you're, you know, different kinds of services and products that you're offering um when you added this other suite was there anything that you personally needed to add in either 
boundaries that you started i know for me when i start launching something new you know i'll let boundaries slide for a little bit because sometimes when you're launching something it needs a little extra time and um but i always have a hard time once it's finished kind of pulling that back again um was there anything that you personally had to kind of take into account Oh, I feel like my boundaries have been very um, challenged <laughs> over the last <laughs> few months. Um, and I think it has more to do with just the time we're living in right now than the project that we're adding. Um, you know, I used to have a dedicated work time where I had no interruptions and now I'm constantly That's not being anymore. interrupted. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, my husband's here working from home and he's kind of taken over my office a little bit and you know, I was homeschooling our four kids during the school year, and thankfully that's taking a break right now. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I was pretty good with boundaries before this, and they just flew out the window a little bit. And I'm trying to very proactively right now reinstate those boundaries. Um, I think when, well, for me, like I said, I used to have a set number of hours during the day, like regular business hours that I could work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I found myself slipping into this like nights and weekends situation just because that was the only time I could get a few hours alone to focus. So I am having to reinstate both boundaries with my family and boundaries with my team and boundaries with my coaching clients that are in my high-end mastermind group and then now boundaries within our labs program too. I will say the way we structured our membership though, I have a community manager in there now and so she's always the first point of contact with anybody in the Mm. group when they have questions and things and she's excellent even she's like brand new to our team but she's so proactive and amazing and um, you know I'm there in the background if she needs anything or our other team members are there in the background but I think that that was kind of the catalyst for me saying, okay, I need more of this in my life. I need more <laughs> boundaries put back <laughs> into place um, so that I can think clearly and I can focus and I can continue to, you know, do my best work and also do my best work at home. So, um, yeah, the, the boundaries have been super challenging for me over the last few months. Yeah, I've, I've experienced the same with the kids at home and everybody being here all the time. It was it was very easy for me to start slipping in working on weekends, which yes. had been a hard boundary for me or working first thing in the morning because, you yep. know, you're not going to get interrupted. And so I, I am in the same boat trying to kind of claw it back a little bit. Um, I will say, too, I, I'm seeing a... Um, I'm seeing a backlash actually from many of my coaching clients who have been in business for over 10 years and they've created these teams, they've created these boundaries, they've delegated all these tasks. And now because of COVID and everything else, they've had to take on a lot of those tasks back onto themselves again. And Mm. so they're struggling with this boundary piece. And there's a lot of... um, it's almost like grief because they've they've built these systems and people and plans and everything and now it's kind of back they feel like they're back to square one a a bit and so I just keep reminding them and myself that this is not permanent that we can get back to the things we once had and the team members we once had but for right now this is you know we got to work with what we got well and I think a lot of the at least for me and with the folks that I am talking to, especially if you have kids, like a lot of the systems and structure and support that we built, um, that we relied on don't exist anymore. Right. Right. Um, at least 
temporarily and for who knows how long and that was really critical piece there's a lot of parents out there that are not have not had a break since March. Yeah, um, I'm one of them. I mean, my, me husband, too. <laughs> my husband and I are juggling. We haven't had, I mean, to your point, we haven't had our daycare. We haven't had our school. We haven't had our babysitters. We haven't had any of that. And so, yeah, I, it's a very difficult balance for sure. And um, I'm just grateful that people like you and others, are, you know, we're all in the same boat. So we are empathetic to that when we, when we do have situations that pop up unexpectedly. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's that's the cool part about all being business owners is we actually have the flexibility to especially online business owners have the flexibility to be able to make accommodations and move stuff around and be a little bit more understanding and empathetic and flexible about how we interact with everybody. And I actually I think that's one of the best things that's come out of this that Mm -hmm. I hope we don't lose when we all go back to having schools and childcare and (laughs) relatively normal interactions where we're like, you know, seeing people in person and whatnot. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that um, if anything, this whole situation has taught me agility, flexibility, rolling with the punches, reducing my desire for perfection, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like my perfection tendencies, you know, done is better than perfect. And we need to make do with what we can right now. And, and you know, adding this membership was a, a nice delight because I didn't have strong expectations. I mean, that sounds <laughs> weird to say. I did have, I have very high expectations of myself and my team in general. But when it came to launching this thing in the middle of a pandemic, I'm like, I don't know what to expect, you know? And so therefore, I'm not going to freak out if we don't hit the numbers I was initially planning for. I'm not going to freak out if we end up, you know, having this, I just... I'm, let's see how this goes. It was my attitude. And thankfully, it, it all worked out really well and everyone's happy. But I think it's shifting that mindset, too. I will say another and this is slightly off topic, but in those early days, you know, we were all kind of in crisis mode of how do we get through this next three to six months in our business, mm-hmm. right? Like, are we pivoting? Are we adding different revenue streams? Are we just going to stay the path with what's already working? You know, we had a lot of decisions to make for how to sustain that short term period. But now where we're at in June, I really am encouraging people to look further ahead of, you know, we the economy is suffering. We don't know when COVID's going to kind of get squashed here. So, like, what are we doing to sustain our business for the next one to two years? And what does that look like now amidst these loose boundaries and, you know, difficult transitions we're having to face? And so um, anyhow, that's something that I, has been on my mind a lot lately of, OK, let's look a little longer term now rather than the immediate crisis mode of what are we getting through this next three to six months? Yeah, and I've seen that a lot with um, clients and folks coming in and even just guests on the podcast that it feels like right after everything hit, there was like this pause of about two months where nobody was doing anything. Most of the people I talked to, nobody was buying anything. Nobody was like moving. And then it felt like kind of the end of April, beginning of May, everybody started to be like, just, okay, let's let's start thinking, let's start being a little bit more strategic. We've all kind of processed our grief and our just crisis reaction to everything mm-hmm. and can start to be a little bit more strategic and proactive and um, think about how to create a business and build a business that can weather storms. So exactly. focusing on um, building systems and process and you know cutting unnecessary expenses and Mm -hmm. going back in and really looking at the foundations of our businesses and making decisions that maybe um, 
maybe we should have made a year ago and it was <laughs> right. easy it was so easy not to mm-hmm. when you're really good at making money it is very easy to ignore yeah the actual operation because the money's always coming in and so yeah and you don't it, know it's easy to ignore it for a while bucket, yeah so to speak <laughs> um, and so i think you know it's a it's I think a silver lining of all of this is that we're going to have much stronger, more resilient businesses after Mm -hmm. coming through this than we all did before. I agree with you. I also think, as to your point, it gave us a time to pause. It's given us a time to work on the back end of our business and think through how can we strengthen the things we're already offering to our customers, right? What types of services are we offering? The other thing is, um, it's been interesting for me to watch who has been comfortable selling during this time mm. and yes. who has not been. And there, I don't know if you've seen it in your communities and your, your sphere, but like there was a little bit of shaming happening around people that were actively selling in the midst of COVID. And my thoughts on it were, we need to keep selling our products and services. We need to keep telling people how we can help them through this because if all of us just stop what we're doing that's detrimental to our business. It's detrimental to our customers. It's detrimental to the economy as a whole, you know, and so... Yeah, I mean, we're the people that can move right now. Exactly. Like we, we are the economy at this moment in time. Exactly. And so, yeah, I just... That was something I kept encouraging my clients to of like, yes, let's work on the back end things. But at the same time, I want you to keep proactively selling right now and do it in a way that feels good to you. Change your messaging, you know, change your outreach approach and all of that. But like keep going we need to keep going i i completely agree i think that's a great place to wrap it up on so where can our listeners find you if they want to connect with you or learn more about what you do sure i'm at proofdeproduct.com i hang out on instagram at proofdeproduct and then i have a weekly podcast called proof to product (laughs) so you can find us on (laughs) itunes or stitcher pandora anywhere you listen to podcasts thanks so much for being here katie i think this was a, a fabulous look inside the shifts you've made in your business. Thank you, Susan. I really appreciate your time today and your patience with my <laughs> my recording as well. So thank you so much. Katie and Margie took the same idea, adding a community to their business services, but it looked really different when they executed it. Margie made it the focus of her business and made a conscious choice to operate the community alone. For Katie, Her community was another way that she could deliver value and interact with her clients, and it gives her clients choices about how to engage and the level of support they're looking for. And it's scalable even while continuing to offer the rest of her suite of services. But for both Margie and Kate, adding a community built more resilience into their business. They're just that much more insulated against risk now. They can serve more people, which means... Losing one or two clients isn't catastrophic like it might be if they were only working with a few clients at a time. Now, having a community might not be the right choice for your business. I'm certainly not advocating that everyone add one, but our dive here into looking at adding the community model is just one example of diversifying your revenue streams. The options for diversification are pretty much limitless. If you can think it up, you can make it a part of your business. The point is to start looking for opportunities to build that resilience and to reduce your risk, either by eliminating unnecessary costs, building new ways to work with you, or using your intellectual property to diversify the different ways that money comes into your business. Every step you take towards creating stronger foundations, building profit, or reducing risk 
will ultimately make your business more resilient. And they don't have to be huge steps. Taking small, consistent steps over time gets the same and often better results. So what small step can you take in your business today to build just a little bit more resilience? Break the Ceiling is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode is edited by Marty Seafeld with production assistance by Kristen Rundbeck.